Hey there, listeners. I'm Tom. And I'm James. And you're listening to World of Stream. Hey, James. Hey, Tom. <laughs> How's it going? This is like episode five yeah, of our podcast. Five. We've been doing this over a month now. Wow. It, That's pretty crazy. It's, it's a long time. It's it's been it's been ages. I just want to say quickly, kind of before we start, yeah. that you can now find World on a String on Radio Free Public and Stitcher for those people who don't use Apple. Um I did actually tweet earlier this week that we're available on Google. That was not correct. <laughs> we're not available on Google Podcasts because that app doesn't work in the UK yet. Oh. Um so I don't think we're on it. Uh, as soon as that becomes available in the UK I'll be applying to get us on there uh, which should go fine because we're on enough other places that they'll be like yeah sure Um, but yeah we're not on Google yet and I'm currently waiting to hear back from Spotify and from TuneIn oh it's getting for us to be on there as well holy crap as if we're getting all these places oh yeah no, yeah, I know it's pretty good. We're in a, we're in a lot of places. I'd also like to mention, and I'll tweet about it uh, when this episode goes up. Uh, to I'd like to ask people to review us both on iTunes and also on PodChaser.com, which is a new website just recently founded, uh, which acts as a sort of IMDb for podcasts, where you can review individual episodes. And I think currently it's the only service that allows you to review individual episodes of podcasts. And really? so because that's quite new. If people will review us on there, then we'll get onto their like kind of front page of their website because it's not it's not got a whole bunch of users yet, which which will help people to find to find this podcast, which obviously is good for for us. Yeah, holy crap! It also helps us because um, if you just review the podcast like you do on iTunes, we don't know what we're doing well. We don't know what you want to see. Yeah. Episodes are good to review. Um, That's true. You can also message us on Twitter or on on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, we'd love to hear anyone's thoughts what we're doing well, what we're doing not so well um, any recommendations for anything we're ha- happy to accept those yeah, yeah. holy crap Tom, you're doing some amazing work behind the scenes I'm so I'm not shocked, but I am shocked it's amazing, well done buddy pretty much every time a service gets mentioned on r slash podcasts or r slash podcast <laughs> like well, how do I get world on a string on there <laughs> oh man Wow, holy crap, that's really cool. Um, how's your week been? You went to Basingstoke? Did you have a good time? I did I did go to Basingstoke. I saw Basingstoke Snapchat. is a four and a half hour drive oh. right, from where <laughs> I live. Okay. And in March, this is quite a while ago, Yeah, it, it was snowy mm-hmm. in March. And, and it, 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 where I am at uni, we yeah. had a, a, red, a red weather warning for the snow, which means danger of death. So as you do when there's a danger of death warning, we all went out sledging. (laughs) Only we're uni students. We don't have sledges. We were using printer boxes to sledge on because they're glossy. So you get some speed up. And I was sledging down a hill on a printer box and a tree appeared in front of me. And I tried to turn, but because I didn't have any traction on the snow, I was just on a printer box. Instead of moving round the tree, the, the... I just rotated in place <laughs> so slammed side on into this tree and it hit me just above the knee 
really hurt I had a huge bruise I struggled to walk for a few days and my knee was kind of clicking I was like oh this isn't great but then it got better and I was like okay fine (laughs) and then I was getting the train home from uni uh, at Easter yeah and that's a long train journey that's like five hours on the train and I got off the train and I was like wow my knee's pretty stiff but again it got better Mm -hmm. pretty quickly and I was like okay well that's fine never mind (laughs) Uh, and then this journey to Basingstoke I got out of the car at Basingstoke and I guess to do with the position of my leg is slightly more up and active in the car than it would be in the train and also with me doing gears I'm actually moving my knee using the clutch I got out of the car at Basingstoke it was really quite stiff and then the next morning it was a bit swollen and I was like oh that's not great but hey ho I had a party to do I had alcohol to drink so I seshed seshed the pain away <laughs> and then I had to drive back and so when I woke up the, 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 the Sunday morning the day I had to drive back it was really quite swollen Jeez. but I was like oh well never mind I'm sure I'll be fine and I got in the car and I drove back and yeah it really hurt and I was actually coming off the motorway uh, and driving kind of back through the town again to get home yeah there's a lot of gear changes obviously there's not yeah. a lot on the motorway but there's a lot when you're off the motorway uh, I was actually screaming every time I had to oh change gear <laughs> I had put some music on to kind of keep me alert so I'd be singing along and then just be like uh, ah uh, oh that is a big audio spike holy shit okay enjoy that one rip headphone users yeah you're gonna have to do something about that James that'll kill people I will try to um but yeah, I was screaming in pain as I drove along. Jeez. Um, and then the next day, it was really quite large. Uh, so I went to see the doctor, and he said that I had a just like a crazy amount of fluid in my knee. What kind of fluid? Uh, so I, I don't know, like knee fluid, I guess. Knee it's fluid. like lubricant. I think it's like lubricant for when something's a bit out of place, that it doesn't grate. Uh, it's a natural thing that yeah. happens, uh, but there's just a lot. Um, so he said to take three ibuprofen a day for like two weeks. If it's not gone down, go see him. So I've basically, I, I had a bunch of hours of, of, of work books this week at the place I was talking about last week. Yeah. But, uh, I've had to cancel them because the doctor said I wasn't, I shouldn't really be on my feet for like, for that long. And it was waitering, so I wouldn't have been sitting down at all. Um, so I have to cancel my work this week. So I've just been sat at home with a flipping ice pack on, like with it up, doing nothing. It's been really boring. Jeez. Uh, but it's going down now. I've been taking my ibuprofen and it's not as swollen as it was. And I've got a lot more movement available. So hopefully by the end of this week, I'll be fine. You'll be, I'll be able to work. You'll be up and, and playing week. tennis and running around. Yeah, I certainly hope so. Holy shit. What what an exciting story. I'm glad you had fun in Basing yeah. Stick, though. Um, interesting news. I'm not going to Go be here next week. I'm going to You're be... You're going to be here next week? I am going to be here, but I'm going to be in a different country. Oh, oh, holy shit. I'm going down to Wales. You're not going, like, abroad abroad? You know? No, no, okay, no, no. That's no, pretty no. cool, though. We're going to Wales. I'll, I like Wales. I will record in Wales. I will edit, okay, cool. edit in Wales. Um, and then I'll come back and we'll do one here. But it's our first first podcast in a completely different country. Yeah, that's quite exciting. What an exciting time to be alive. So I've got a question for you this week, James. Yep. Um, it's not, like, a hypothetical one. Like the ones were... Vif- before it's just it's just a question uh we're, we're we're making a podcast yeah people listening to us yeah therefore would possibly like to listen to podcasts yeah 
What podcasts do you listen to? Oh god, I don't listen to any podcasts. I do listen. To no, some. not all. I listen to Triforce. Um, okay, yeah, I listen to that one. I listen to Triforce. I tried listening to. Um, what's What's the Triforce oh podcast? The Triforce podcast. It's a podcast yeah. by the Ogscast featuring Lewis um, and and Chris Lovers and Ted Forsyth. Wow, I remembered all the names. Also known well as Sipperian and. Um, Lewis. Lewis. <laughs> I was going to say Zephos. Um but they just they just chat it, don't they? Really? They just talk about video, they're supposed to talk about video games and stuff, but they don't actually anymore. Um, yeah, it's three three YouTube three video game YouTubers and and and, and streamers that just they're just friends and they just chat. Uh, yeah, we both listen to that one. Yeah. Um, any any others? I tried watching watching listening to In the Night Vale. Is that what it's called? But I didn't, oh, welcome to Nightvale. Night vale. I didn't like it. I gave up with that one. Um, but yeah, that's it. I, I kind of, if I see a podcast on YouTube, like I kind of watch some of the H3 podcasts and the co-optional podcasts and stuff. Um, uh-huh. But just because I've kind of seen someone that I want to hear talk on it. Yeah. Not because I'm a regular listener. I'm not a massive lover of uh, that kind of interview style podcast. Really? No, I prefer kind of format shows. Yeah. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I've got two, four, six. I've got eight on my phone currently, although one of them is this one. So I've got <laughs> yeah. seven on my phone currently. Yeah. Uh, I've got the History of English podcast, which is just one guy talking about uh, how English kind of evolved and changes over time. And that one's quite interesting. I'm on episode three of that. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty good. Welcome to Night Vale, as you mentioned, yeah. which is a. a uh, it's fictional. It, it's kind of the it's radio broadcasts from a fictional radio in a fiction yeah. radio station in a fictional town, which is it's a very supernatural town. Um, I like that. I think it's very funny. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of very dry, very surreal humour. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like listening to that. And then uh, I listen to the Triforce podcast also. Yep. Same as you. I listen to a podcast called Dilettante Ball, which is uh, two guys click a random article on Wikipedia every week really and just talk about it and then just kind of talk about their discussion just kind of goes on from there that's pretty cool they're only like 20 minute episodes that's pretty funny and then my other three are all kind of RPG based podcasts Um, so the one that I started kind of my first podcast that was about role playing games was the campaign podcast which is probably Mm -hmm. the best podcast I've ever listened to uh, it gets a big recommendation, a big thumbs up. Ooh. The campaign podcast is a long form actual play in the Star Wars Edge of the Empire system. So it's it's a group of four four people, three players and a DM mm-hmm. playing Star Wars D and D essentially. Uh, only the people are all professional improvisers, like improv comedians. So it's really funny. Uh, there's some proper, there's some incredible storytelling in it. Uh, that's great. Gets a big recommendation. Yeah. I... Uh, and then one of the guys on that is one of the two people on Dilettante Ball. So that's uh... how I heard about that. And then one of the other guys on that runs the One Shot Network, where they do a they every month they do a couple of episodes for, of in a new different role playing game system. So it's like they do little short adventures in loads of different role-playing systems. And that's a really cool, really interesting yeah. one to listen to. Uh, and then I listened to... I just started today listening to a podcast called Neo Scum, 
which is similar to campaign but in a different system it's not Star Wars it's a system called Shadowrun mm-hmm. uh, and then I also listen to Never Tell Me The Pods which is Star Wars discussion god you're all about Star Wars now I listen to a lot of podcasts do you want to know a fun fact about Star Wars yes I'm finally going to go see Solo on oh, Saturday <laughs> after yes, a so long good, time <laughs> it's so good okay holy shit um, other than supremely damaging your knee and yeah. getting absolutely sashed in Amazing Stoke, did you ha- yeah. have time to listen to the album and watch the film? Oh, from? yeah. Oh, yeah. Should we, should I we... mean, I've just, just finished watching the film this morning. Oh, <laughs> I watched it this morning also. Oh, that's good. Oh. Um, and yeah, I listened to the album. Well, uh, should, we, should we move on to yeah, talking about it? Let's start it with the album. Let's start with the album. So that's this, the way we uh... do it. I'm just going to blow my nose. Hold on. Let's move on to talking about the album. So, <laughs> the album was Cannonball Takes Charge by Cannonball Adley. Um, there's just a, a few things I want to say about the album before we start. I think um, with jazz albums, it is important to know the lineup of musicians that are playing. I, the the lineup for this particular one changes. So, tracks one to four, um, you've got Cannonball on alto sax, you've got um, Winton Kelly on piano. Bass is Paul Chambers and drums is Jimmy Cobb. And then five to nine, it changes. The bass is then Percy Heath and the drums Albert Heath. The, um, the one to four lineup is possibly the best set of, of jazz musicians you can have in, in, in that kind of uh, scenario. Like Cannonball is the most famous alto sax player. Winton Kelly is one of the most famous pianists. And then the bass and drums player players that played with Miles and stuff. So this lineup isn't. I think the point I'm trying to get across is this lineup isn't just a bunch of random people that wanted to play with Cannonball. These are all like top of the range um, jazz musicians. They know exactly what they're doing at all times. I just wanted to get that out there. I think that's yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, it's 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 quite a big album, I think, which I didn't quite realise because I didn't know the lineup of this album before we started listening. Um, the first tune is If This Isn't Love. It was. That is the, was the first tune. I actually... Do you know what, James? What? I really enjoyed it. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. What did you I like? Think, uh, I liked the kind of tight little quartet feel mm. to it. Uh, I've said... I've written the saxophone is killing it. Like, it's it, it was it was very impressive playing. Yeah. I could tell he's obviously pretty pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I also thought I, I liked how kind of relatively simple it was in a way, not not technically simple because I think it was probably quite technically difficult. Yeah, but simple sounding, like it yeah. was just you just had your saxophone going, your piano just kind of going away in the background, uh, and then your kit, your bass just accompanying it. There wasn't too much going on. Yeah, um, and then sometimes it switched that the piano was taking charge and the saxophone was. Uh, was like was the the and the saxophone was accompanying. Yeah. Um, I liked that. I liked uh, it, ch- it. It it kept moving. It didn't just repeat. I think sometimes in jazz because it's impro, you can yeah. fall into a danger of just kind of repeating the same motif over and over yeah. again and not really going anywhere with it. Yeah. But but this I didn't didn't feel there was much repetition in this. Um. Uh, yeah, I did really really quite like it, and I think that the. I don't know. As, as somebody who enjoys jazz and, and studies jazz, 
what would you say the main differences are between this mm-hmm. album? I guess we could talk about this at the end, but I'm going to ask you the question now so you can think about it while we're talking. Yeah. The main differences between this album and the Herbie Hancock yeah, album. Yeah, the Headhunters album. Because I didn't enjoy Headhunters as much. As this, this I did, but obviously they're both... This I, this I did quite like, quite like actively, I enjoyed it. Um, Holy crap. So I'd like to know, technically speaking, what are the differences oh, between the two? So that I could try and almost pinpoint pinpoint what, you what like aspects of jazz yeah. I like, because yeah. then I can kind of try and find more jazz that I'm into. And then maybe one day I'll recommend a jazz album. Holy crap! Wouldn't that's that be just crazy? gonna blow everyone's mind. Um, yeah, but that's just so, yeah, just something to. I'm gonna. I, I'll re, we'll revisit it. We'll come back to that end. at the end. But yeah, I did enjoy it. What if this isn't love? What what did you think? Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I feel awful now because this is my least favorite one of the whole album. <laughs> <laughs> So the way the tunes in this album, they're all set out. It's um, You've got the head or the main melody, which is the tune that people know. And then you'll have a sax solo. You'll have uh, a key solo. And then sometimes it'll, you'll trade eights or trade fours um, with with bass or drums. And that's the way this tune's set up. Um, so the way I was looking at it was the opening melody, there was a good interplay between the sax and the bass and, and the piano. I really enjoyed that. I thought um, can the start of Cannonball's sax solo was oh. was was pretty stunning, and then the end he he, he always does this with his solos. He always kind of does does like a blues kind of ending, like he uses kind of blues scales and stuff, which I also quite like. Yeah, I noticed some scales. Yeah, stuff. like it was, there's a lot of runs, and some of them are really quite fast. And, oh yeah, uh, but yeah, it was it was a lot of kind of going up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think you're right. It was good. Um. I guess I'll hang my tears out to dry. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean the, the one of the things that I've got kind of, I don't know so much if it is just this song or just this album or something that I've noticed far more. Yeah, <clears throat> I enjoy music and and I enjoy listening to songs mm-hmm. because I find songs often more emotionally charged than just pieces of music. Because they've got the lyrics, and it's easier for the artist to put the emotion into it because they could just talk about what it is the the song is supposed to represent. Where yeah. whereas with music, you've got to kind of feel it. Yeah, yeah. And often I, it's difficult to interpret the feeling that the artist put into the song. Mm-hmm. But with this, I thought I don't know if it was just the titles making it quite clear. Yeah. Uh, or or what? But I really did get for for a lot of the songs, I did get that kind of feel, and I got the emotion out of it, and I could almost picture. It's scoring a movie scene or something like that. Yeah. For, for a few of the songs, I, I did like this one. I guess I'll hang my tears out to drive. It was definitely even the even the the saxophone itself. I don't mm. know if he was playing. I assume he was playing the same saxophone, yeah. like yeah, the exact yeah. same one. Yeah. But it sounded a lot more melancholy, and it sounded more sad than it did in in the first one and in some of the others. Yeah. Like it. It's. Uh, piano intro also obviously set the it's quite easy to do sad on a piano yeah musically sad is probably one of the easiest emotions to represent Mm -hmm. but uh you got it coming in with the intro and then the saxophone sounded it did sound bittersweet in a way or or sorrowful holy crap i'm i'm really impressed tom holy shit a lot of the tunes on this album um are what uh musicians call standards so they're kind of like the tunes that every jazz musician should know, really. And a lot of them come 
from songs and like Gershwin and stuff. And this is no exception. I guess I'll hang my tears up to dry. Is it is a sad song, and I think um, I think you're right. I think that Cannonball does does manage to play it as if it were um, as if the sax were a voice. If you know what I mean. Uh-huh. Like he manages to put the emotion into it. Um, I've completely forgotten what I was going to say. But yeah, so um, they're all all of these, a lot of these tunes are songs. So I think a lot of them, I think if I'm playing, if I play, I guess I'll hang my tears out dry. I will kind of, I know some of the words, so I'll kind of sing some of the words in my head as I'm... So it has got actual words? Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot huh. of them do. Huh. Um... But yeah, it was nice, and it, I liked how sad it felt. I quite like sad ones. Um, <laughs> did you notice? I'm gonna. It's a bit of a technical question, but after the main melody was played, they moved into the solos. It switched to like a double time feel, which was really cool. Um, I didn't notice. No, that's cool. Um, yeah, I liked that. I thought that was good, and I liked the ending because the last chord was like a major seven sharp eleven or something, and that was. Cool. That's like a, a a niche, like a stereotype. Anyway, Serenata. Although I also got oh, go in that one that I'm. I just wrote it under that one, but it does kind of apply to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but even though it was just the kind of quartet of them, yeah, it it, it always sounded very full. It never sounded like there was mm-hmm. any instrument just kind of out on its own, um, yeah. or, or or necessarily leading in a way. It did yeah. sound like they were playing as a group and that they were all supporting each yeah. other. Uh, and I was impressed by how evenly the melodies got divided between the piano mm. and the sax. Like, yeah. they both shared it quite evenly. It wasn't just, like, the we've got Cannonball on the sax, so it's just going to be sax the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it just shows how skillful they are as musicians, I think. Yeah. Which is really cool. Um, Serenata. Serenata. I got Monsters, Inc. vibes from this one. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I really liked it. I really it. enjoyed it. I really liked this one. It's a standard I've not heard before, but Nat King Cole has sung it. Um, who I, I think you know Nat King Cole. I am familiar with him. Very I might good. try and find him listening to this, because I did... Enjoy it. Yeah, I did. I enjoyed it a lot, actually. Yeah. It's, yeah, this was the middle of the pack. It was It was, It was. It was good. There's no complaint. The solo was good. Um, the choice of standard was good. Um, the speed was good, and he plays the the head and the melody so nicely. It's just it's just great. So, what do you say? Like the choice of standard. Yeah. So these aren't pieces of music. <coughs> excuse me. These aren't pieces of music that Cannonball has written. These are no. his performances of established pieces of jazz culture, in a way. Yeah, kind of. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a standard. It's like um, you know, summertime. Yeah. That's a standard. Because so when you said in the first episode that your favourite piece of music was Summertime by George Gershwin... That I would spe- specify that my favourite version of that was Chet Baker's version of Summertime by George right. Gershwin. If that ah, makes sense. Okay. So they're all pieces that um, that have basically... They've got kind of like a, like a 32 or a 64 bar melody or whatever. Right. And then with the chords on top, and then they just play that. You can put your own spin on yeah. on how yeah. you get to that melody. Yeah, how exactly. everything else turns around that melody. Right, that is yeah. pretty cool. They, yeah, it's, so they're just covers, really, but they're done yeah. in a much more free way. Yeah, if that makes sense. You can see why jazz is kind of almost thought of as 
music for musicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think I agree with that because a lot of the time, the pianist would would um, voice chords in a different way or or change the chords like reharmonize it so it has different chords underneath. So, but you wouldn't notice if you weren't kind of fully immersed in the culture, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I think I think that summed it up. I think we've got standards on the head. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. We'll come across more standards, I'm sure, the more we do this podcast, because I love standards. Um, but this isn't to say that all jazz is just standards. No, because I, I know that a lot of jazz is kind of improv. Yeah, and then pieces are yeah 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 like cannonball is written i mean i don't know if you'll know this i don't know how how but who wrote serenata then that that standard yeah i've got no clue i'm gonna google it i'm just googling it now sarah vaughan leroy anderson and then the lyrics were written by mitchell parrish I haven't heard of either of those people. Well, no, it's, it was written in 1949, so it's kind of like uh, they're almost war songs, effectively. The writers are never known. Like, uh, you have to be a very good writer and have quite a few standout standards to be known. To be known. Yeah. But, of course, yeah. Cannonball and Nat King Cole and Sarah Vaughan, these are all people that are known for singing other people's standards. Chet Baker's done it. Yeah, Chet Baker is oh, wow, he's amazing. I love Chet. Oh, first recorded in 1949. Holy moly! Yeah. Summertime's that's, older than that, I think. That's pretty cool. It's mad. Anyway, okay. <laughs> I've told every little star. Yeah, it's just good. I enjoyed. I, liked, I really liked this one. Did you? Yeah. Oh, this is making me happy. How glad I you think this it. was my favorite. Really. I've written that I loved the intro, um, and that it gave me it, it. It very much put me in mind of a scene in a musical, or like a quite a camp musical, something like West Side Story, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Where the main characters just kind of kissed the love interest for the first time, or they've just danced yeah. together for the first time, and it's him just seeing about how like happy he is. Yeah. And I can imagine him like swinging on like the old fire escapes on those like tall New York apartments, like you know where the ladders like slide down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like swinging along those and stuff like that. That was kind of the images that I was getting in my head. Yeah. Kind of very West Side Story image in a way. Oh my god. That was that was what I was picturing. I was just really hopeful and and quite jolly. Um yeah, and then there was a bit where there was a piano solo, yeah, kind of in the middle, and I was like, and so this is the dance interlude. The the saxophone was him singing, yeah, and now the piano solo is like the dance interlude <laughs> where he's dancing with all the like random people. Oh my god, you... I very much got that kind of I feel think, from it. I think you're right because I've just googled it, and um, it was written by Jerome Kern, who has written a lot, written written <laughs> a lot of uh, classic standards, and the lyrics were written by uh, Hammerstein. Oscar Hammerstein. Uh, so I think I think it was it could be a, a musical. Huh. Oh, that's, that's great. Um, oh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad. Yeah, nice. Barefoot Sunday Blues. Oh, this was really chill. Yeah, it was just a blues, really. Um, it's hard to make a blues interesting, but Cannonball did 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 a good job. Yeah, I think he did as well. I, I, 
one thing I've written down on this one is were there two pianos being played? No, just just one. Huh. What makes you think there were two? I don't know. I I just remember like there was a bit where there was like it sounded like there was just two different. There was like a melody going. Yeah. And an accompaniment to that, but then also another melody and accompaniment to that. That just didn't sound like they would be doing played by the same person at the same yeah. time, but evidently they are. Winston Kelly is an outstanding pianist. If you look at yeah, some of his impressive. transcriptions online, it'll it blows my mind. Um, yeah, there were some nice breaks where kind of you've got a hit from the drums and then everyone cuts out and then Cannonball goes off on one. Cannonball does some yeah. really really nice breaks and they're really tasteful lines. I got that um, the sax sounded very lyrical mm-hmm. again. Yeah. Um, uh, this is the first one really where I found the bass prominent. Yeah. It had a lot more kind of almost to do. Well, it had a solo as well. Yeah. Um, but Winton, I think he's a Winton master. Winton Kelly, he uh, manages to because it's hard with a bass solo because it's below everything. Everyone has to drop yeah. back and kind of really quietly comp, but Winton Kelly does does really really well, um, mm-hmm. and really makes it nice and easy for the bass player to stand out. It did though, James. Unfortunately, oh, it did. Yeah, <laughs> thought, it had a fade ending. It did fade out. Oh, oh, is that well, your? I can, I can forgive them one. I can forgive them one fade out. Was I was, it? I'm enjoying it enough that I'll be lenient. Oh. Holy shit, this is a new side of Tom. I'm enjoying it. Um, poor Butterfly. Uh, yeah, um, so so these last two I was slightly less keen on. They just, uh, what I've got for Poor Butterfly is it was kind of more normal. Yeah. Like it had less of a specific vibe or a specific feel to it than mm-hmm. the others where I very much got quite vivid pictures in my heads. This yeah. one I didn't so much. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, there was a bit where every other instrument stopped and the st- sax just kind of ran down a scale. Yeah. That was really nice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I think th- this was the first Cannonball tune I ever heard, Poor Butterfly. Uh, uh-huh. um, I'd heard the tune itself as a big band piece. So like with like loads of saxophones and trumpets and trumpets. I heard it as a big band piece before. Right. Um, so I, I, I like this one a lot. I think Cannonball's solo is absolutely cracking. It's, 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 I couldn't play it better. Not that I could play any solo better than Cannonball, but there's nothing <laughs> I could say to improve it, even looking at it like theoretically. Um, and I think um, I've got yeah, a lovely break from Cannonball here, and the piano solo was nice and short. It was kind of like half the length of Cannonball's, which led into the head. For the last time nicely right um and then i liked the ending yeah the ending was good <laughs> i don't I, I don't have anything quite as technical to say but yeah yeah i liked the ending i i remember so that you. one that one Ooh. i enjoyed but it didn't stand out to me specifically yeah yeah i could i can see why to be fair um i remember you yeah this one i wrote that it's similar to poor butterfly and i wrote that i'm struggling to write anything about it yeah, there didn't seem to be as much to talk like some of the stuff I've wrote, written on earlier songs applied to this like some of them were album wide um, so I, I didn't have as much to write about this one I've said that it seems a little almost generic yeah. but, but generic's not the word I'm looking for just it didn't it was still very 
I'm sure very technically impressive and it was still pleasant to listen to mm-hmm. uh, it just didn't do anything specifically for me to be like oh wow that was really cool yeah I can see why um, I'm the complete opposite the, okay. I remember you as one of my favourite standards it's it's a really really nice tune um, but I was looking at the solos in particular I think Cannonball has an amazing break yet again he, he's really really good at them um, and the solo is just so typical of his style which is nice and then I kind of heard a bit of another standard referenced in his solo so he references Yardbird Suite which, which is a standard by Charlie Parker um, and oh, I've not, heard of him. Yeah. Is he the one that got the symbol thrown at his head? Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> By Joe yeah, Jones. He's, he's mentioned in Whiplash, I think. Oh my god. I, I hope it's I him, otherwise I'll sound Whiplash. like an idiot now. No, 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 yeah, it was. I think. I hope it was, otherwise I'll sound like a bigger idiot. <laughs> um, yeah, um, so then what, Cannonball is referencing Yardbird Suite, not only as solo, but when he's trading fours, um, I think it's with the bass, um, with one of the Heath dudes, um, and he's trained for and he's referencing Yardbird Suite again which I like and Winton Kelly himself on keys references the head or the main melody at the start of his solo which I always enjoy I think it's it's a nice kind of like self-awareness um, and then we come on to the alternate takes of two of the tunes. right yes we do mm-hmm. Barefoot Sunday Blues alternate S- take I have slightly left these out of my have you reviews of the songs you know where we put them in order yeah yeah yeah. because i didn't really get the point of them they didn't sound that different yeah it's i think when you said this is music for musicians i think this is this is this very much is music for musicians it's listening to the solos and then um they'll have just recorded a shit ton of versions of these songs and then chosen yeah, the best ones the, the ones that they liked the most but then the ones where they were kind of like really stuck between they kind of include they just them. did both yeah um so it's just the solos that are different but i for both of these prefer the alternate take to the one that was like officially in the album as it were right um i think the solos were better I think they they suited them suit the tunes more, but we won't go into much detail on that because um, I'm looking at time as well. Shall we? Shall we do the ranks? Um, you picked the album, so you go first with your ranking. Yeah, I'm going to include my alternate takes because okay. I've included them anyway. So my favourite was I Remember You, but the alternate take, and then second was I Remember You, the proper version. <laughs> Three was Poor Butterfly. Four, I guess I'll hang my tears out to dry. Five was Serenata. Six, Barefoot Sunday Blues alternate take. Seven, Barefoot Sunday Blues. <laughs> Eight, I've told every little star. And nine, if this isn't love. We're almost inverse. Are we actually? So my number one is I've told every little star. Yeah. Then two is Serenata. Yeah. Then three is Barefoot Sunday Blues. Yeah. <laughs> then four is if this isn't love. <laughs> yeah. Then I'll hang my tears out to dry. Yeah. Then poor butterfly. Then I remember you. And then I just put the alternate takes in the bottom. Like yeah. I didn't rate them. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting, actually. Um, but yeah, should we? There was a question you asked at the beginning that we haven't answered about. I did. Herbie Hancock and and Cannonball. Yes. I think we've kind of answered that. Um, I think the jazz you're into, if you prefer this to um Herbie Hancock, is very much the kind of same jazz that I'm into in the way that it is just standards. Herbie Hancock in his album Headhunters was absolutely trying to do something new for jazz. He was really trying to 
cut away from standards and and not do what was expected of him. Whereas Cannonball here is literally just getting a group of amazing musicians together and just having a jam. Because all you do there is just call a standard, play it, solo over it, record it, done. Whereas Herbie Hancock's are much more kind of, they're much more planned, as it were, I think. Yeah. I thought that it would be something like Herbie's being more experimental. Yeah. Like, something like that. Like, I, I, I think that was similar to... I don't really know. Like, slightly similar to my issue with the ELO as well, is that at the time it was very new. Mm-hmm. And they were being quite experimental. But my issue isn't just people trying new things, because I don't have an issue with people trying new things. I guess it just doesn't... In that case, didn't work for me. Yeah. But uh, I'm trying to think now of an example of an album that tried new things that I did like, and well, I almost can't. I mean, the only thing I can think of is something that's really just doesn't even compare in a way to to trying new things in the same way that that Herbie Hancock did. Like, because I, I assume Headhunters and that kind of Herbie Hancock stuff that was quite influential, right, on the genre. Yeah. Yeah, well, the only thing I can think of where somebody tried something new and I enjoyed it is Panic at the Disco's oh, different albums. Like, that's literally it. Because <laughs> I know that you don't love that kind of style of music, but I think one thing that just you can't really argue when it comes to Panic at the Disco is that every album is very different to all the others. Yeah. I don't know how well you know them. If I listened to Panic at the Disco, I'm sure I would agree. Yeah every album is very different to the others and I think a lot of people don't like say their newest album not Pray for the Wicked which comes out in like a couple of days but, but oh my God. Uh, Death of a Bachelor yeah it was very different to the stuff that they'd done before and it's because the band changes and everyone leaves until it's just Brendan but mm-hmm. Pretty Odd is a lot of people think it's the worst <clears throat> think it's the worst Panic album it's called Pretty Odd and it's actually my favourite and it's kind of very Beatles-esque is quite inspired by yeah. the sound of and the feel of the Beatles, which is obviously very different to the kind of emo yeah, I, alternative I stuff that they did in their first album. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was something where they, you know, every single album, they, it's almost a different genre. They try something else. Yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of people don't like certain albums because they just aren't into the feel of it. Like, I don't like Too Weird to Live, Too Rare to Die because that's very kind of computerized album it's got a lot of just synth on it and i'm just not it just doesn't it seems quite bland to me yeah but some of the others that are more acoustic and a bit more musically interesting yeah i can i can understand that yeah holy cow holy shit should we move on to the film (laughs) yeah oh god let's move on to the film brain dead the film was i think it's called brain dead here and i think it was released as dead alive in North America. Okay. Would... So it's got two titles, and it's directed by Peter Jackson, who is m- most well known for directing the the Hobbit trilogy and the Lord of the Rings yeah. trilogy. Um, it was made in 1992. Yeah. Uh, Sometime it's it's daft. It truly is extremely daft. Was it supposed There's to be almost stupid? nothing else you could say? Yes. Okay. So the good. genre, the genre that it's in is known as Splapstick. Okay. (laughs) Which is... It's like slapstick comedy, which was very kind of physical comedy, kind of your Laurel and Hardy classic silent film comedy. Mm -hmm. But 
instead of it being the physical, the like somebody turning and hitting someone with a ladder, it, it it's gore based comedy in a way. So it, it's kind of riffing on that hammer horror, just fake blood. It's the kind of niche that's currently fill, filled by films like uh, sh- uh, not Sharknado really, but things like Saw, I guess. like Piranha. Oh, Saw right. not so much because Saw takes itself quite seriously and and is a horror film. But those films that are horror films, but they're kind of intentionally bad. Yeah. But but not. You know, this wasn't. This isn't. It's difficult. This isn't a bad film. Yeah. It's not a good film. Yeah. I but it's not a bad film. It's you know the 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 acting is over the top, but it's not bad. Yeah. The acting isn't bad. The character the portraying the characters they're trying to portray very well. It's mm-hmm. just the characters they're portraying are all ridiculous and and, and over the top. Yeah. Um, the special effects in it they don't look real, but technically they are quite impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I. I, uh, I, can... I mean, the plot is the plot is nothing it is it does, it's just, there is no plot you know it's it's an excuse but um <laughs> yeah holy crap i hated it i hate everything it, every, everything about it is very intentional and and it is i did i didn't think you'd like it mm-hmm. but uh i don't know it's not a genre i know super well like i don't know any other films in it but this film it's very much either you love it or you hate it and i do kind of love it oh, it's just so ridiculous so I don't know. It, it starts off on Skull Island, which I don't know if you know Skull Island. I don't know how well you know your I don't know your creature films, Skull but Skull Island. Island is King Kong's island. Are you, there was another point in the film where I was like, "Holy shit!" It's, it's, it kind of feels like King Kong, um, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, that so it's so Skull Island is the island where King Kong is from, and Peter Jackson just put that in as a bit of a homage to King Kong. He was like, "It's Skull Island, sure." Because uh, he's a big fan of this kind of genre. Obviously, he made this film, so he'd have to be. Yeah. Uh, and then, interestingly, a bit of trivia: Peter Jackson directed a King Kong film. Did he later on after this? Yeah, I think two thousand three or something. Oops. And in his King Kong film, there's a boat coming from Skull Island, and it's got a box on it that says "Sumatran Rack Monkey Beware really? of the Bite," which it's just pretty funny, you know. That's uh, yeah, I like that. That's pretty cool, actually. Um. I think that the opening to this film it is you can watch you can watch up till that title card and if you enjoy that you'll love the film and if you don't enjoy that yeah. you'll hate the film that 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 intro is the whole film really I was it's just, just that so confused I couldn't tell whether it was supposed to be stupid or whether it was supposed to be bad and it felt like um like a scary movie you know, it felt like yeah. it was it was kind of like a knockoff Indiana Jones when he's kind of yeah. running away. So yeah, so it was it was riffing on that type of film. Yeah. Definitely, yeah, it definitely was supposed to kind of take the mick out of Indiana Jones. I mean, that guy on the island who gets his all his limbs chopped off, mm. he even looks like a little bit like Marcus Brody from Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it is very intentionally kind of. That them running to the jeep, escaping from all the tribes people, is very reminiscent of that scene uh, at the start. Yeah. Of, I think it's Raiders, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think. So. Uh, yeah, I think that's quite intentional. Um, just all the way through, it is kind of poking at films, but not in such an overt way as films like uh, Spaceballs do. 
mm-hmm. where it's very much a parody of a particular film. This was just kind of riffing riffing on on those common tropes but it also it f- almost feels a bit generous yeah. to say that it's doing it in a parody way because it almost is too bad yeah it, to be oh that God. i we, i watched it this morning i kind of got up and i was like right i'll watch the film now so i, I was awake for like 15 minutes before i started watching it yeah <laughs> my god i normally i was gonna eat breakfast to it and then I kind of oh God, no. saw where at the zoo where she gets bit, and I was like, "Right, this isn't a film to be eating breakfast." <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, yeah, it was the the amount of blood and gore, and yeah, and and special effects and stuff like that, and it was just whoa. There was so much. It's ludicrous. How much that could have cost like so much money? I I think it had like a three million dollar budget. You know, I don't. So it's all spent on, on gore. Yeah, those poor actors. Let me see if I can find the budget. Hold on. I hope it was. Uh, yeah, budget estimated three million. <laughs> gross, gross USA profit two hundred and forty-two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> oh my days! It just failed. Was this Peter Jackson's first film? I don't think it was his first, but it was definitely early. Okay. Um, let me see. That makes sense. You know, it won awards, though. No. Like, indie awards, but yeah. What? No. And I'm sure some of them are, like, daft horror movie awards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it won the Saturn Award for the Best Genre Video Release, and it won. It was a nominee for Best Horror Film and Best Special Effects. What? It won the 1993 Amsterdam Fantastic Film Festival. Uh, it won the Fancor. It was a nominee for the Chainsaw Awards for Best Supporting Actor and Best Supporting Actress. You're joking. Those act- they were awful. They were it so won, It won the Fanta Festival Best Winner, uh, Best Actor for the guy who played Lionel. Oh, God. I do feel sorry for them. Um, especially Best Lionel. Male Dramatic Performance for Lionel, uh, New Zealand Film and TV Awards. Oh, God. Yeah. Lionel got some steak. Like, he must have... I hope he was paid quite a lot, because I would not be paid minimum wage just to be covered in all that shit day in, day out. Yeah. Because he was... It must have been a slog to film. It really must. And they can't have done that lawnmower. They must have done it once. They can't have done it any more times. Oh, they would have been... There's no way they'd have been able to afford to to, to reach... to do that more more than once. Yeah. Do you know the the blood was being pumped through that warm mower at five gallons a second? Seriously, yeah. Holy shit, that's like that's so much. Five gallons is a lot. Yeah, yeah. Three hundred liters of fake blood was used in the final scene of the film. In a way, you almost can't discuss it because there's nothing to discuss yeah. it was just so daft it's not a film that you can analyze or talk about the meanings behind or, or anything like that yeah there's no metaphors or, or, or symbolism no. it's just it is just unabashed it doesn't it's, you know it's not pretending not to be a gore fest yeah, that is yeah. all it is I mean that, that scene the scene where she is uh, after she's been bitten and the people from the WLWL come over for dinner oh god I couldn't stand it 
and she likes eating the custard oh. and she like squirts goo into the guy's custard and he's like it's delicious <laughs> and then her ear falls in her custard and she eats it it, it genuinely it makes me gag like yeah, every time yeah. I've watched this film like six times probably it makes me gag every time yeah. I was, apparently yeah. I read online that the the rental version in I can't remember where but in a like there was a store that for the rentals would mm. give away like vomit bags with it. Oh my god! If you rented it, you got a free sick bag. That's pretty funny. Holy shit! I was surprised I didn't throw it. And the, In Sweden, the um, the like the effect. It was it was all like kind of it was like viscous goo stuff, and it, it looked it, so it looked disgusting. And the sound effects to match it were just so <laughs> oh, I hated it. It really is unpleasant. Like I struggled watching it. It was a big struggle. The first time I watched it, I was watching it with George Hewlin. Oh, God. And we were on Skype together watching it. And we were both just in awe. At every single scene, you're like, where is this coming from? Yeah. There's a scene halfway through which really comes out of nowhere where he's his mum's been buried. Uh, she The mum's the main zombie and, mm. and she's been buried. And he's kind of digging her up so that he could keep the corpse in his house, like the zombie in the, in the house, mm. um, so that it can't attack anyone. You... And these four blokes come up to him and are like, "Oi, yeah, you, you, you know, they're like beatniks. They're like um, Greece style T bird yeah. beatniks. It's, it's very strange, but they come up to him and they're like, "Oh, he's digging up his mum's corpse. He's, he's horrible." Yeah, and then the mum like bites one and then gets the others so that they're all zombies and the priest of the church comes out and is like hold on a minute lads this calls for divine intervention I kick ass for the lord and there's like a there's like a it's like ten minutes long like a kung fu scene of the priest just just kung fu karateing all of the all of the beatnik zombies yeah. and, and, and he he ends up dying at the end of the scene because he kicks a zombie's head off and it flies in the air and lands on his shoulder and bites him and, and then throws him onto a grave it's which stabs ridiculous. him through the stomach it and it's just so ridiculous. daft and then the priest zombie later has sex with the nurse zombie and they have a little zombie baby that fucking zombie baby that made me I hated it I hated every second of that little thing's life and there's a whole then there's a whole like why does he take it to the park yeah he takes the zombie baby to the park in a pram (laughs) and it escapes and there's a scene with classical music playing the whole time of him chasing the zombie baby around the park as it gets into zany antics yeah, it's just what what is this film? I just don't understand why he was keeping them all in his basement when he could have just killed them. It's absolutely yeah. fucking ridiculous. It's hilarious. I love every second of it. Oh, it annoyed me. It annoyed me, especially that bloody zombie baby. It was like how it its... giggled. Yeah, it just didn't stop. It was like its own little. <laughs> subplot running around just destroying its own little shit and whether it saw anything fucked up is like oh, that's something to laugh at <laughs> when it burst through that lady's head yeah. and, like rips her head open from inside it's, just... it's like yeah 
<laughs> I think if people haven't watched the film and are listening to us discuss it, they may be like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> you gotta just listen to. You gotta just go watch it because it really is. It's something else. It's something else. It's something else. It's definitely an experience. Don't eat while you're watching it. Yeah, just make sure you um, haven't eaten within three three hours, and you don't I plan to eat two hours it. after it. Yeah, it's just it's it's very tongue in cheek. Yeah, uh, it, it it's very everything is intentional. I think. Yeah, but holy shit, three million pounds—they can't have paid the actors that much. If I was lying yeah, I'd be asking for a, for a fucking wage wage rise. Oh, and the fact that his like one liner as he opened the door with the lawnmower at the end was this party's over. Yeah. Was, it made me laugh so much. I could just imagine Mace Windu going, this party's over. <laughs> Why Mace Windu? What the hell? Because he says it. Does he? Doesn't he? Mace Windu? I'm sure he Samuel says Samuel L. Jackson? Yeah. In what? What, what Star Wars Star films Wars, you obviously. <laughs> he says it, yeah, he does. He says it when... Um, on Geonosis, in, in episode 2, when he goes up and confronts Count Dooku at the, just before all the Jedi jump into the wrestling ring. Whoa. Holy shit. I was... He, like, puts a, he puts a lightsaber to Jango, to Jango Fett's head yeah. and it's like, this party's over. <laughs> I imagined it as they were going to arrest Palpatine and he had his little crew of, like, Kit Fisto and stuff. He was like, this party's over. <laughs> oh, God. Tom oh, excuse said. me. Um, yeah. The, the, there was a bit like that whole last kind of scene there was like no dialogue for half an hour there was like no one spoke yeah. it was just screams and noises and, and and blood and then and then for like the last 15 minutes there was some dialogue and it just felt it just felt so strange I don't put it there's been no dialogue for like 30 minutes when it comes back it's shit so... yeah yeah <laughs> yeah oh man yeah, I think I can't believe it got like nominations and stuff for best screenplay. It, I... Like, what? What were films in 1993? What were they? What else was released in 1993? <laughs> oh, God knows. Obviously, crap. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. All really underachieving stuff. <laughs> what? What did you give it? By the way, like out of ten, Jurassic Park was released in 1993. Oh my God. And Schindler's List. <laughs> and this beat it. Oh, okay, I give up. I feel like these weren't. I don't think it was quite the same award ceremonies no. <laughs> that things like Shitless List to Jurassic Park would have been at. My dear John Williams. That's pretty cool, though, that Jurassic Park was the same year, because if you compare the special effects in this and the special effects in Jurassic Park, yeah. Jurassic Park is, is miles ahead. Yeah, but it was a micro budget. Obviously, yeah, obviously, uh, Jurassic Park was a. A massive multi-million film. dollar blockbuster that had Spielberg and that whole crew behind it, whereas this was a very domestic New Zealand Peter Jackson paid for by the tourism board. Yeah, film. you know what's weird though the, the fact that kind of Peter Jackson and Steven Spielberg are kind of they're about of equal notoriety now. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like Spielberg's in a slightly different league to. No, Peter I Jackson. think. I mean, Peter Jackson's only done Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Yeah, I suppose actually. Okay, you know that's it's one thing really, and the Hobbit, the Hobbit films aren't really that good. <laughs> oh, I've never seen them. Maybe watch them some other time. What did you give it out of ten? By the way, um, like a like a 
like a seven. I don't know. I mean, it's difficult. It's difficult because I can't. It's not a good film. I can't call it a good film, so I can't give it a high up score. Mm -hmm. But I do really enjoy watching it. Mm -hmm. So it's tricky to rate because I can't give it like a nine because obviously it's not a nine. Yeah, it's just not even close to being a film that's that's up there. But I do enjoy watching it an awful lot. Holy shit! I'd give it a zero. I'd give it a one. Really? I hate it. Give it a Every one. That's our, it. that's our first, first one. minimum score. Yeah. One. Oh, wow. So. Did you not laugh once? Uh, no, I was too busy trying not to throw even, up. You didn't even laugh at I kick ass for the Lord. No. <laughs> I was kind of. Its... Oh, I was just so confused. I kind of like. I must have had my mouth open for at least two-thirds of that film, whether I was trying to throw up or whether I was just shocked. <laughs> in its initial release, in its home turf of New Zealand, this movie earned more per screen than Batman Returns. You're joking. <laughs> what? What is... What is life? What is New Zealand? What a I country. Really live there. <laughs> oh, holy crap. That's crazy. So, so for next week, then, um... Your, it's your album. It's my album, and it's your film. Yeah. So, I don't know... I genuinely don't know what you're going to think of this album. Oh, God. I think you could like it. You've been surprised in the past. I was surprised that you liked Old Man Markley. I didn't think you would. So, this one, I'm not sure. This is a rock album. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know how you feel about rock. Uh, this is going to be The Strange Case of... By Hailstorm. The straight the, the name is the strange case of. Yeah, or, or just strange case of maybe. Hold on, let me check. Okay. I think I've heard of this band. I've I've talked about Hailstorm a lot. I'm a big I'm a big fan of Hailstorm. Um. The yeah the strange case of and then an ellipses is the name of the title. Oh, we listen to the deluxe version. Uh, we'll just do the normal one. Okay. I do like some of the songs in the deluxe, but. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay, I've got it. Holy crap, that looks really scary. The album cover looks. Really I really, scary. I really, really enjoy it. It's one of my favorite albums. Um, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Um, the film I'm choosing is a comedy film featuring Ryan Gosling and someone else famous that I've forgotten the name of, but can picture in my head. I think you might have seen it, but we'll watch it again anyway because I want to watch it again. It's called The Nice Guys. Oh, I've not seen this. It's it is on Netflix. I did check. I've heard a lot of talk about it on on Reddit. Really? I'm quite excited. A lot of talk. has it what? Has it been slated just on Reddit? People, just people just no just just people like like uh, sometimes I think there are gifts of it occasionally mm. put up and then in the comments people are always like oh man I love this film. I do like the film a lot. Oh, I'm quite excited. Holy crap. The nice guys. Yeah. So for next week we're going to listen to we're going to listen to The Strange Case Of by Hailstorm yep. and we're going to watch The Nice Guys yeah perfect all of you listening to this are going to right now review go to podchaser.com <laughs> and leave this episode a five star review yeah and then you're going to give our podcast a review on iTunes thank you for doing that now very right helpful this second uh, so thanks for listening to World on a String you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at WAS Podcast and also on iTunes. World on a String is hosted by James Kajeman and Tom J. Shikale, and you can find me on Twitter at, at James Kajeman. 
And you can find me at Ace Torterra 1. All music on the show is original music by James Kajenvin.